Hello, everybody. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. It's Wednesday. It's the morning. Or it's the evening. Or the mid-afternoon. Or it's 40 years from now. It could be. You're right. It's 40 years from now when we don't delineate time of day by morning, noon, and night. We've come up with another option, and that's when you're listening to this. Oh, I was fixated on the Wednesday. I see the disconnect. I understand. <laughs> I didn't realize when you mentioned a time of day, in your mind, that could be literally any time in the time-space continuum. I made a jump that, you know what? Uh, yeah, we're learning about each other. We're learning about communication. That's what this is, John. Indeed. They could be listening An to exercise. this on the first trip to Mars. Sure. This could be on a, a Mars rover. This could be Lance from NSYNC could be listening to this as he explores our galaxy. Lance from the Apollo mission, <laughs> who's admittedly dead, but... Was there a Lance in the Apollo mission? Yeah, Russ. Uh, there was one particular Apollo mission that a lot of people talk about. You might recognize his last name, Armstrong. Lance oh my Armstrong? gosh! <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Sorry. Oh, I is have that, to leave is it that in. Because oh, that's, that's humiliating. Yeah, it's my punishment it's, for being the, condescending. Now, now I know that you spent your high school years <laughs> abroad in Asia. <laughs> Did the name of the person who first landed on the moon not make it over there? Was that a Long Island thing too? The reason Lance Armstrong won so many tours to France was because he uh, he strapped a rocket engine to his bike. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Mad About Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. Oh, God bless us both. And you. Holy moly. How you doing, John? A little worse now. Yeah, besides embarrassed to your very core. I might be the first person to actually make up Neil Armstrong and Lance Armstrong. No, you know what? I'm sure you're not the first person, and I'm sure that everybody else who did is very smart and is very proud of themselves for doing it. So don't you sweat it. Oh, that's very generous. I think you're probably wrong. <laughs> I don't not wrong so much as being very sarcastic. Oh, <laughs> cutting! I didn't even realize I was bleeding. <laughs> how you doing? Well, you're doing well, except for your bruised ego. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Feeling pretty good because I'm making fun of you, and it makes it feels good to bully somebody. Oh, doesn't so, it? Yeah. So I'm great. Oh man, everybody in high school, everybody who ever bullied me or ever bullied anybody else, you guys knew what you were doing. Yeah, you get it. Oh, <laughs> you guys are way, you guys are way ahead of the curve. Yeah, they're so evolved. I'm basically starting bullying people now with you. Maybe my brother. But, like, that's it as far as bullying goes. And I've waited until my 30s. Other bullies have been doing this for 20 years more than I have. That's true. I'm jealous. Well, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to stop this till it gets out of hand. <laughs> did we watch an episode of Mad About You or did we watch an episode of Mad About You? We watched episode 10. Yep. Neighbors from Hell, it's called. Neighbors from Hell. December 9th, 1992. Because we had a week off for Thanksgiving, of course. 
Yes, we did. Well, I guess. I don't know. December 2nd. Whatever. People were That's busy. true. You know. Yeah. People were still digesting. Digesting their turkey. Right. Talking about the football game for an extra week. The new president-elect. Right. It seems like maybe you can't walk out your door without getting whacked by some kind of mafia. <laughs> <laughs> Lunatic. The nationwide mob scandal from back then. Do we read the TV Guide thing now? I forget. Yeah, go ahead and read the TV Guide thing now. Concise as ever. What you got? Things go from bad to worse after the Buckmans meet their new neighbors. Boom. Right? Stuck it. Stuck the landing. I like that. I like that very, very much. Yeah. It's a pearl. A gem. And it's a teaser, because now we're going to talk about the other things that happened that night. Indeed. So remember that teaser, everybody. Remember what happens to the Buckmans. Keep it in the back of your mind as you listen to this. Because on TV, well, a couple of things happened on TV that night. First of all, the uh, Billboard Music Awards were on. Oh, is that a thing that happens now? It is a thing. It's an award show. Except here's the thing. I looked at the event, and first of all, we already covered what was going on on the Billboard charts a couple of weeks ago yep. when we discussed the Heights and the Archies. Mm-hmm. And the Billboard Award winners... It was the same, you know, Garth Brooks did very well. It was the same stuff as when we covered the Country Music Awards. You know, Boys to Men did very well, I mean, that which makes we also sense. talked about. Yeah, it makes total sense. It just means that it wouldn't work for to explore in this particular segment. So I went back to the very fun Unsolved Mysteries Well. Ooh. So we've got a lost, we've got a legend, and we've got a murder. We've got two losts, a legend oh, and a murder. Okay. The Lost, we've got Eric and Keith Merrill. Twins? I'm not sure. Probably. I didn't go too deep in them. Okay, great. We've got er- <laughs> Eric and Keith Merrill. Lost, we also have Alexander Olive. The murder for the week. Wait, the legend is Alexander Olive? No, I'm sorry. Did I say legend or lost? Alexander Olive is lost. You said lost. I assumed you said legend. You lost. Yeah, oh, I see. The two kids don't count as two losts because it's the same case. Right, I'm sorry, yes. Everybody, wipe your mind's eye clean. I'm not sure if you've been writing this down. So, one lost, Eric and Keith Merrill. Two lost, Alexander Olive. The murder was the Black Dahlia. Do you know about the Black Dahlia? Do I know about the Black Dahlia? I live in Hollywood. Yeah, I know you do. It's horrific. They have the photos hanging at the death museum of her body. Yikes. Yeah, that's intense. The Black Dahlia is, gosh, I. you know what? I honestly, I didn't, I decided not to focus on her because she's pretty well covered in general. In general. And also she's pretty grim. I think uh, you must remember this might be covering them right now. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You must remember this is a fantastic podcast. Oh, yes. I've never listened to it, but I hear this Holy from everyone. smokes. It's really great. I, I haven't listened week to week, but I listened to the whole Manson thing. Oh, yes. Yes, those are on my uh, iPod. Fantastic. And as for the Black Dahlia, the single darkest stand-up comedy bit slash joke that I know of uh-huh. is about the Black Dahlia, and it's by Dana Gould. And really? it is off of his, yes, it's off his album called I Know It's Wrong, which is one of my top five, if not my number one favorite stand-up album. It's unbelievably funny. 
this joke is the darkest thing. And I don't know if I want to plug it in here, or I don't know if I just want to have people go ahead and dig it up. Wow. If you go dig up this uh, joke, I'd love to hear if you agree with, uh, well, not agree, but uh, how funny you found it. And I would not like you to do that. <laughs> don't listen to Russ. <laughs> don't listen to Russ. But I did want to talk, we'll talk a very little bit, because we talked about the thing we weren't going to talk about. I want to talk about the legend, which was of the Hotel Bullock, which is in Deadwood, South Dakota. Oh, okay, sure. Is it related to Deadwood? It is related to Deadwood. And Does the it go Hotel back Bullock to... is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Hotel Bullock is Seth Bullock from Deadwood. Yeah, okay, wow, crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I was like, and this also gets us the opportunity to talk about Deadwood on Mad About Mad About You. <laughs> Finally. Finally. <laughs> I mean, we did The Wire. That's true. We'll cover all of HBO. Next week, Oz. Oh, uh, i never seen it. It's my first favorite show. Wow. Is Oz. After Seinfeld? Yeah. As far as dramas go, it was number one for a while. You know what? I think it was my first favorite prison drama that was airing during with, those years. <laughs> with more naked men than I'd seen prior on television indeed or after yeah or after that's true too yeah so the hotel bullock it was founded by seth bullock and saul star as portrayed by timothy oliphant and another dude oh uh, in Deadwood. you monster what was his name i don't you know, know i'm looking it up for this guy good for you uh timothy oliphant and the other guy i didn't even plan on saying timothy oliphant just now you it just came to you it just came to me john hawks John Hawks. He's great. Saul's great. Timothy Oliphant is great. And Bullock, here's what I learned. This was on the wiki for Unsolved Mysteries. It said, Bullock died in the hotel in September of 1919, and people saw his spirit everywhere. They would see orbs. They would hear voices. They would feel somebody touching them. Wow. Yeah. And then in 1991, a medium named Sandy Bullock, no relation, communicated <laughs> with Seth Bullock. And Bullock said that the gambling in Deadwood should stop, or else a period of lawlessness would ensue. So how about that, huh? Then what? Well, they don't get into the then what, but <laughs> when I read a little bit further, yeah, I learn that uh, he really died in his house, 28 Van Buren Street. <laughs> so that didn't happen, it turns out. Wow. So they base this episode of Unsolved Mysteries on a lie. Which they cop to immediately. Well, no, I think that I found that information on a different... I guess that's true. I mean... That's true. It's a legend, not a fact. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Which is... You know what? We should just start... Anytime that we just use hearsay or speculate on the podcast, we could just call it the legend. No, anything on this show is meticulously researched and footnoted. <laughs> send me a letter and I'll send you the documents. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need a P.O. box. Okay, I'll let you set up a P.O. box. <laughs> Just so people can write in with their request to see documentation. I also like that there's no electronic way of doing that. Send us your snail mail. Well, you know why? You gotta figure out a way to slow people down. <laughs> there are channels, Russ. Oh, that's true. You have to create a channel. Oh, man. Yeah, make sure that people really want it. Man. You're no dummy. Thank goodness you're here. <laughs> and I've always wanted to have a P.O. box. <laughs> Did you like Deadwood? I didn't finish it, but what I watched, I loved, of course. It's like yeah. Cowboy Shakespeare. It's exactly like Cowboy Shakespeare. What I love more is watching David Milch talk about anything on YouTube. I've never done that. Oh, my gosh. There's some lecture. 
he gives to like Stanford kids or something. And yeah. I, I defy you to tell me one thing you can take away from it that's not abstract. Like one thing you can explain <laughs> in your own what words like... that he talks about because it's impossible. That's really funny. A lot of gobbledygook. No, but not it. None of it feels arbitrary. It's just very. I've watched it. Not watched it. You know, I watch it like the way people watch. Right. You know, Law and Order when they're doing their right. dishes. But he talks about such uh, concepts. I mean, I'm going to sound like an idiot. I was going to say, you know, highfalutin. <laughs> sure. <laughs> concepts yeah. and ideas. That's really funny. I mean, the one thing that was interesting, he, t- you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to try and explain. To- oh, you know what, guys? After you look up this uh, great data gold joke, go on YouTube, find the hour and a half lecture by David Milch taped on someone's camcorder or telephone <laughs> where he talks to a room full of 20 kids for an hour and a half about God knows what. You'll love it. So now in the history of the podcast, you haven't mentioned many lectures. So you would say <laughs> that this is probably your favorite lecture? <laughs> Your favorite speech, for that matter. I you mean, haven't really talked about any public addresses. So you like this more well, than like the this, Gettysburg That's address. not fair. This is not a public address. As far as uh, lectures go, however, it might be. It might be. Not consciously, but if we look at the data, numbers don't lie. I've probably listened to this numbers. lecture more than any. <laughs> so you're right. John, what happened in the news? A lot. A oh, lot yeah? of horrible stuff that I, I you know... Uh, okay, Dateline. Go ahead. November 28, 1992. Jeweler decapitated and son is arrested. Next. Oh, my God. Good old-fashioned nightmare. Go ahead. December 8, 1992. Because of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, alternate side parking rules are suspended in New York City today. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> These datelines are really taking me on an emotional journey. Dateline. <laughs> Go ahead. December 8, 1992. Organist sentenced for burglaries at two churches. Dateline. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Court pullers with no emergency. <laughs> Vandals posing challenge to transit police. Next. Two killings tied to feud over loot. Next. Lucchesi emissary becomes mob war casualty. <laughs> Here we go. Yes, we get to it. I thought that'd be a fun way to do these. <laughs> I think you're right. One side note, though, this organist who plays at churches all over Long Island and all over New York in general, it sounds like, they said stole like $4 million worth of stuff over like decades. It said it could be as much as $2.5 from 500 churches and synagogues because he was taking little Holy gold cow. and silver things. What a lousy dude. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm glad you're not going to refute it. No. He went to jail for between 4 and 14 years, which means he's out. So He's out. So lo- for lock all our up clergy, places of For worship. all the clergy listeners mm-hmm. in the New York area, keep an eye out for this guy. <laughs> the other one uh, that I uh, just one interested, the court pullers with no emergency. This was on December 7, 92. Apparently, a bunch of people, like there was just a, an enormous spike in the number of... Uh, Emergency stop cords being pulled on subways. And the cops could not. Really? This article is just about how the cops could not figure out why or who was doing it. Wow. They thought it was teens for a while. There's like one group that thinks it's just teenagers who are making trouble. And the other group thinks it's pickpockets. Except you if think it, it may have been like what? It sounds like it might have been like improv everywhere. Yeah. Before they got popular, they used to just annoy people. 
Yeah, they were just like, before they were like, hey, let's take our pants off and just ride the subway peacefully. <laughs> I feel like if you do that they in conjunction like, with the ripcord, it's more like assault. Yeah, they were like, hey, what if we stop this train? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, though, to imagine these cops running around being like, I don't know. <laughs> and it's also like, how much effort do you devote? But it's, it was like causing big delays, you know, because you stop that train. It's a minute. Yeah. Oh, and uh, this I'm mentioning because you remember that story a week or two ago about the uh, mafia hitting Red Hook? Yes. Turns out it was related to a uh, robbery that happened within a family. It was like between two families, but not directly. Like some people from one family helped some people from another family pull off this robbery of one of the two families. Between the Gambinos uh-huh. and the Columbos, this stuff gets so confusing. It's like tr- yes. it's like trying to do Game of Thrones, which I never watched. Me neither. Netted over a hundred grand this robbery, so that's why they showed up with machine guns. Well, that makes sense. I'll tell you what else it's like. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. It's almost exactly like The Sopranos. What? What's that? <laughs> no, you're right. I was thinking of that the whole time. We will get there. Well, actually, we won't. I had a small reference in my head. That's all. This final story, though, this this one's the peach. This one's the gem. This one's the most Sopranos-y. Okay. Well, this whole thing, though, it's like, you know, when the Sopranos, because I, well, you grew up in that area. I didn't grow up in New York, you know, so on the Sopranos, you know, they're always watching the news and the news is always talking about the mafia like it's the thing on everyone's mind. But sure. it must have been, right? Did you see it, the mafia on the news a lot when you were a kid? What's a lot when it comes to mafia hits? A couple times a week. Not even hits, just like a- news, updates. I mean, well, look, I didn't watch a whole heck of a lot of the news as a kid. Well, you should be paying extra close attention now, then. You're right. To these segments. I remember, yeah, (laughs) I remember the name John Gotti a lot. Oh, we all do. What he did, I don't remember. I don't know all that much about. Oh, he was the head of the Gambino family, I believe. Probably. But as far as, like, what crimes did he commit, why, why was he... In the news, Heads what did, don't commit you know, crimes; oh. they isolate themselves. That's why you have capos, my friend. The capos take care of that stuff, and then the capos get street sure. thugs, foot sure. soldiers. Yes, I understand. But then, why was John Gotti on the news so much? Is what I'm saying. Well, he must have got caught for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they introduced those racketeering laws, and then the FBI was able to crack down on the mob. Right. Also, everything we're saying right now is very like all footnotes, all fact checks. Oh, yeah. Take it as gospel. Completely. (laughs) Remember that time that the feds bugged John Gotti's house and they underscored it with the theme from uh, Peter Gunn and police's... The Blues Brothers? Every step you take. Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember when John Gotti's daughter took the lamp with the bug in it to her college dorm? Yeah. Frustrating the FBI. (laughs) Remember when that guy who killed that other guy who a few blocks away from my apartment lost a Russian in the Pine Barrens? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This last story, the Lucchesi emissary becomes mob war casualty. A reported Lucchesi crime family member who officials say was used as an emissary to arrange secret meetings with fugitive mafia boss, with a fugitive mafia boss, was gunned down yesterday in the garage of his Brooklyn used car lot. The victim, Patrick Testa, is believed to be the latest casualty in an internal war initiated by a fugitive Lucchesi boss, Anthony Casso. That war has claimed at least 11 other lives in the last four years. 
Mr. Testa, 35 years old, was shot nine times in the head and upper body by a gunman who walked up behind him and began firing with a nine millimeter handgun. Nine times in the head and upper body. That sounds deliberate, John. That's how they do. This garage is still there, I think, too, maybe. 432 East 89th Street in Canarsie. So check it out, guys. (laughs) It's probably safe now. The mad about, mad about you mob tour of New York (laughs) continues. (laughs) It was called Patty Testa's Motor Car Service. And I found this, like, this website that what I was going to say is reminds me. I didn't know this was out there, but it reminds me so much of that website that Meadow's looking at, like in season one, when she suspects her dad's in the mafia. And it like the website looks like it's from it's even dated for the Sopranos. Right. The kind of website that's like, oh, some lunatic cobbled this together <laughs> because they heard the Internet was a good at, way to disseminate info. Yeah, She's looking at mymafiadad.com. Yeah, something like that. This is breakshotblog.blogspot.com, which is based on a book, I guess, called Breakshot. So it's a little more legit. But this guy, basically, one of the big thing, what rackets he was in is they would like steal cars and then like swap the VIN numbers on them and then sell them to Puerto Rico and Kuwait. Wow. Yeah. It says they were taking in more than 30000 a week in the late 70s. That's a pretty good racket. Tell me about it. The FBI called it the Empire Boulevard operation. I'll look that up. Yeah. Isn't that I'll great? I'll more about the... It's a hard racket. Yeah. Week after week, John, I'll tell you, we talk about these things and they always wind up with... And then these mob guys got killed. But then whenever they talk about what they actually did, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, sounds like a good way to make. Absolutely. That's a good way to make a few bucks. It is. Just don't get caught. You drive a car into a jewelry store. Perfect. Fantastic. I don't know if perfect is an appropriate descriptor. (laughs) (laughs) That's the method a Neanderthal would use. Sure. Or a dinosaur. What kind of car would a dinosaur drive? He would drive himself. Yeah. You're probably Is right. there a punchline to that joke? Uh, apparently not, John. <laughs> a Chevy Volant. <laughs> a Chevy Voltaraptor. Ugh. That's that's your fault. That's your fault. <laughs> Guys, that's Russ's fault. Everybody. Okay. Sweepstakes time. Sweepstakes time. Oh, that is a... Yes. What is the punchline to the setup? Yeah. What kind of car would what? a dinosaur drive, in particular, in a smash and grab robbery, or just... <laughs> Just what kind of car does a dinosaur drive? I'll tell you what. Not only, and this is true. This is a true thing that sounds stupid, but it's a promise right now. If we choose your punchline, not only will we mention your name, but I will pitch this joke. I will pitch your joke to whatever popsicle company is the company that, like, puts jokes on their sticks i believe the company's called popsicle russ you're probably right can you pitch to them for real i don't know if you can i'm saying i'm going to you're full of crap no i'm being totally serious i will look up (laughs) 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 i'll either i will tweet at them and or i will send a snail mail we'll do this old school and we'll do this new school yes but channels mad about mad about you fans we want to make you popsicle stick famous that is a so, good popsicle stick joke you're right so let us know what kind of car does a dinosaur drive or if you want to be more advanced what kind of car does a dinosaur drive when doing a smash and grab robbery in soho in the early to mid 90s this is a very big popsicle stick <laughs> and a very small font. So yeah, let us know. <laughs> Sweepstakes. That's a fun one. I like it. That's the first one I've wanted to play. <laughs> Any more news, Johnny? No. That's all the news that's fit to print. Well done. Nice work. 
So, get into Neighbors it. from Hell. Yeah, Neighbors from Hell. First of all, Richard Lewis is going to be livid about the title of this episode. Oh, he didn't come up with that. <laughs> the blank from hell. <laughs> what a funny thing. What a funny, stupid thing. You've seen that Curb episode? Of course. Yeah. Did you know that that's real? That he really is credited with inventing that? He's either credited for it or, as is the case in the episode, he is not credited for it and feels he deserves credit oh, for it. Oh, that I believe. But one way or the other, yeah, the idea of Richard Lewis saying, I invented the blank from hell, that sentiment is true. He might have. He might have. Not invented, but popularized, that I buy. Well, that's the thing. He says invented. I would totally buy popularized. And he would say, nobody said the blank from hell before me. Well, I mean, a lot of people say if perception is reality, then what's the difference between invented and popularized if you didn't know about it until it was popularized? Uh, I think there's a lot of original content creators who uh, would have opinions on that. You know, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded impressive, though, right? Hey, did you know that we invented Mad About You? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's heard of this show, and if they haven't, we invented it. (laughs) Oh, man. So, I don't know, John. I think the cold open is a thing of the past. Uh, It was fast. Well, first, this episode was directed by Dennis Erdman. Right. Who, nothing particularly. uh, (laughs) I just, as a completionist, I found. Like I no, should mention it. I understand. <laughs> he, no, you're absolutely right. I apologize for jumping the gun. He did a Larry Sanders. Cool. But I don't know the episodes well enough. To, well, no, it's he did the Hanker Sizer 200 episode. You remember that one? I do not. I have seen two episodes of the Larry Sanders show, which is criminal. I know. Well, for the rest of you, y'all remember it. Great episode. He did say by the Bell. <laughs> what are the fun shows? Not a ton I've of fun seen... shows, but. <laughs> I've seen every episode of Say by the Bell a few times. Do you know the so names? So we could talk more about that. Yeah, if you told me, I'd know the name. Are names, you serious? Probably. probably. It was I'd called probably the be able gift. to tell you what happens in the episode. After Screech oh, yeah, gets... Oh, str- the, yeah, the gift, yeah. Are you doing... Go ahead. That was a bit. Go ahead. Oh, gosh. I believed you so hard. As soon as you tell me, though, I will probably at least be able to say, oh, yeah, I remember that and mean it. Go ahead. What happens in the gift? After Streak... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow you know what guys the name screech is a lot harder to read than you'd think <laughs> scr look crazy when they're followed by eech that's all i'll say after screech gets struck by lightning he gains the ability to see into the future yeah sure this sounds crazy and zach uses him yeah. to cheat on a midterm he, uh, he comes back into the room after getting struck by lightning, and his hair, which is normally very big, is even bigger. Wait, but, like, that's an insane episode. Like, I feel like this is going to sound crazy, maybe, but I always felt like Saved by the Bell was a pretty grounded show. Well, look, getting struck by lightning will would, in reality, either kill somebody or at least send them to the hospital, and I don't think that those things happen. Russ, I know that Streets is not left unconscious. About seeing into the future. That was the unusual thing I yeah. thought in the description. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. The seeing into the future thing, that kind of thing would happen in Saved by the Bell. Really? Yeah. Well, I know you're not going to tell me Zach would also do something like cheat on a midterm. No, 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 no. It's grounded. <laughs> this is a grounded show. And that's against the rules. Oh, he also was the casting director for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. So there you go. 
Cool. <laughs> yeah. Haven't we talked about Elvira on here before? I don't think so. Okay. Must be my other podcast. <laughs> Let's see. It was written by Billy Grunfest, who wrote, I'm just so happy for you. Grunfest is back. Grunfest Having is back. Grunfest. Now, the cold open, I... Now, honestly, Russ, I don't know about you. I could talk the whole episode about the cold open. Sure. Yeah. He... <laughs> Pretty dense. Very dense. Lots going on. For those of you who watch this... It was a real Selby of a cold open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So, Selby might have... Yeah. In that it was omnipresent. Right. Right. Yeah. Selby and the cold open were off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> existing. But not in front of us because there was no cold nope, open. there's no cold open. Two weeks in a row without a cold open. Yeah, I assume they just were like, you know what? We got too much. We got too much to do and say. Just get to it. Just get, get to, to the it. Goods. Get to the goods. So we go right into scene one. But I'll tell you what else, John, before we do that, I'm sorry to put, slam on the brakes so quickly. No, please. Not only was there no cold open, there are new photos in the theme song. Oh, do tell. Yeah. I didn't even notice. Yeah, the uh, the Clinton Gore newspaper photo, no longer in it. Well, that makes sense, I guess. It's dated now. Basically, yeah, all of those photos that were previously in the opening title scenes, they've swapped them all out. They really did? So they're not even a popsicle in the yeah. first? I'm looking at it. It's a popsicle shot. It's them leaning on each other's back. That's old, I think. I think they're all new. They're picking I out mangoes, it looks like, at a fruit stand. That's new? Yeah. I think what may be happening is we may be transferring, like, the ones from this episode last for the rest of the entire series, if I'm not mistaken. Which wow. I certainly could be. But I think that from here, it's the same thing. So oh, maybe it they, feels um, familiar. Maybe they ordered nine episodes first, and then this is the first episode of the new set. That could well be. I think it's something like that. Sure. We're not going to find out. We don't need to. It's all footnoted. No, that's true. Scene one. Jazz, baby. Paul Reiser, precursor. The scene is a precursor and foreshadower, which is the word I was looking for uh-huh. when I said precursor, of his appearance in Whiplash, which is a movie I haven't seen, but I'm aware that it's about jazz drumming. That is very true, I suppose. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. He's in Whiplash. Uh. And in this scene, he is drumming around with chopsticks. And so the two must be related. This is so cool to me. This was always so cool to me. What's cool about it? I can't believe I even have to tell you. Cool guy. What's what's cool? In his cool apartment, blasting jazz, playing the drums with chopsticks. That means Chinese food's coming. John, I need you to tell me about it because this is an entertainment podcast. I don't understand. And... <laughs> I don't understand that you could be such a big fan of Paul Reiser and not think this is like the definition of cool. This I is think, the Well look, I think it's fun. Oh, I think Russ. it's really fun. I think it's funny. I think that the things that you think are cool uh-huh. are not typically cool things. Well capital C cool. Because Paul Reiser's not a typically cool character. But this Yes, that's what I'm this saying. This moment is as is the definitive. This is like risky business with Tom Cruise when he slides out <laughs> on the wood. That's what this is to Paul Reiser or Paul Buckman, let's say. <laughs> You're not wrong. No, I'm not. And in the same way that I don't think Tom Cruise was particularly sexy in that scene or cool in that scene. I don't think that Paul Reiser is cool in this scene. Russ, that's one of the most legendary scenes from the 80s. Yeah. So was Judge Reinhold in the bathroom at Fast Times. I wouldn't call that cool. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, 
you know what? I don't care. <laughs> but what is Paul's enjoying his night alone? Yes. It's very much you're at home alone and doing whatever you want. Yeah, he's drumming around the apartment with using chopsticks. He's air drumming everywhere. Doorbell rings. Mark and Fran, which we've never seen this. Mark and Fran without Jamie there? Yeah. I got tense. You got tense. Very, It's very awkward. It's just like, what are you doing here? Yeah, and he kind of, uh, he responds that way. But also, Mark and Fran just, of course, they just barge their way in. They come in guns blazing. Yeah, Mark doesn't even stop. He didn't, he didn't break stride outside. He just, they knock on the door. He opens it up. He just walks. And he's going off at the mouth. And if Paul had been himself for even a moment, it wouldn't, like, all of this stops. If he's, hi, how are you? But because that's not who these people are, it doesn't go that way. No, and I love a traffic complaint. Yes, and he has one. I love traffic talk in general, because I think it's a funny thing we do. Because those are the dramatic, like... about how we get there? Yeah, those are, like, the dramatic things we encounter during an average day. Sure. You wouldn't believe... You know, <laughs> everything is everything is an epic saga. Yes. And I guess that's true, especially with these two. Yes. Friend got steam in her For face. Sure. It was like a facial. Yeah. An industrial strength facial. An industrial strength facial. And I think I can't remember where they used it before, but Mark did his, you know, said it was the best that, or whatever, like that oh, kind no. of inflection. His signature line to me, at least. Said it was fantastic. Yes. He says it all the time. All everything. Yes. He because he loves a good recommendation. Yes. And whenever he yes, every time he hears something from somebody else, it said it was <laughs> Oh my god, this city is an obstacle course. They're tearing up 34th Street. Fran got steam in her face. It wasn't so bad. Sort of an industrial strength facial. <laughs> am, I, am I expecting you guys? We're going to Piccolini's. You want to join us? Fell in my office ate there last night. Said it was fantastic. Yeah, they already ordered in Chinese food. <laughs> yes. I would love to hear him neg something, and I hope he does at some point. Sure. Besides the traffic. Said I mean, something it cultural. it was terrible. Yes, which I could hear so clearly in my mind's ear. Yeah. They say they're going to... The reason they're there is to invite Paul and maybe Jamie, if she's coming home, I guess, to dinner. A pop-in. Right. A pop-in dinner invite. Yeah. To, crazy. To Piccolino's. And, uh... No, Piccolini's. Piccolini's. And I looked it up. And it's not a restaurant, but it is Did a toy you? store in Little Italy. Somebody's got to tell Mark and Fran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to have anything to eat. Candy. Yeah. Maybe. They're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> what? I, I heard this was a restaurant. <laughs> There's nothing but toys here. But the I'm toys supposed to eat are this? fantastic. <laughs> uh, so Jamie's not home, obviously, and Paul doesn't want to go at all. So the second she walks in the door, he grabs her to welcome her home. Yep. And he gives her a look. Yeah. Like, there- he says, yeah, he says, I'm so glad that you're home. And he says, I'm so sorry that we have that thing tonight or something like that. Yeah. And then he kisses her with his eyes open for a very long time. Until she gets that she needs to follow his lead. It's a really, really smart, funny way of, I've never seen a show communicate that information in that way oh definitely not you get this tight close-up on the two of them and him just staring daggers of panic and import 
into her face yep. as he kisses her. It's also nice like to see him take 10 charge. seconds. Yeah, that's tr- Yeah, he's very all about taking charge when he doesn't want to be social. Yeah, right. That's true. That that's a battle he's willing to to fight. But he's always, you know, he's always like a panicky dudnik. Right. I guess that is when the dudnik takes charge though. It's when they feel backed into a corner. Yeah. Yeah. That's when anyone takes charge. Pretty great. It's survival. It's yeah. fight or flight. So then Jamie as a good partner would makes up a beautiful lie. Oh, you got to get dressed up. Where you going? To that black tie benefit at the aquarium. <laughs> That's what it is. I don't know what I was saying. Yes, it's, it's a big, big benefit for the fish. It's, it's, it's like the biggest uh, fish benefit of the year. Really? <laughs> Why do fish need money? <laughs> we gotta feed them and you have to heat those huge tanks right. and the right. castles that they swim through very expensive yeah. Yeah. they're renovating the aquatic mammal exhibit in the penguin habitat she's a good liar because she only shares and this is why she this, I gotta tell you Russ this is why she's in HR and this is why she'd be a good politician and why she becomes a campaign manager later because or at PR, least the press person HR. Huh? PR yes said, sorry just, sorry I always uh, do yes. that is it I like the idea of her being very good at spin, and thus she's in human resources. (laughs) But it's you only divulge as much information as you need to. Right. And Paul's problem, as he tries to lie his way through this, is she satisfies them, and he keeps adding completely unnecessary information to the point where it becomes nonsensical. And he goes on this amazing long tear about how it's this benefit of the aquarium for Lefty the Lobster. You know, I love the aquarium. They have a 65-year-old lobster there. Lefty. Lefty, yeah, Lefty the Lobster. Tonight's his big night. Seems like a, like a lot of fuss for just a lobster. Well, you know what? He's, he's retiring, actually. And uh, they, uh, he doesn't want to. That's the sad thing. He does not want to retire, but the public demands. They demand new blood, you know, yeah. fresh blood. And the thing is, there's so many good causes that the fish, very often, they get overlooked. Honey, you know? shake. why don't you? we got to be there. Okay. <laughs> really funny. And, I also, and they and Mark and Fran, they understand. They understand. I mean, Mark will buy anything. I feel like Fran's very suspicious in general. So it's impressive that yes. they get this one buyer. I think it's probably because she's hungry. Probably. You know, because how how long are you gonna funny. wait? That's a good point. They've made it clear there's been no hemming and hawing. Right. They know that they're not going to come out. So time to move on to the next. Yes. So Mark and Fran so, uh, leave. So they, and, yeah, go Mark ahead. and Fran leave. No, just uh, Paul is very blown away by Jamie's prowess in the BS department. Yeah, I mean, we all were, I would say, right? As viewers. Sure. Ugh. Expert lying. Maybe better she than Costanza. Say, does, one, one, maybe it was Costanza-level lying. Yeah. Although one thing she says, because doesn't she say that it's for it's for the penguin exhibit? But then she says that they're short on funds for the aquatic mammals. Yeah, she's got such like good specifics. Well, look, that those are good specifics, but those are two different things. She's lucky that she, you know, she said those things confidently, so she got it past the radar. Oh, penguins aren't but mammals. Fran, Fran could have been like, "Hey, penguins aren't mammals." That's true. I are you I lying? Didn't. Are you just gonna hang out and eat pizza tonight? Yeah. <laughs> and then got mad and said, "Come on, Mark." Yeah, and then that'd be that. And then where would the then where would the show be? It'd be over. Then it'd just be cold opens oh, on man. loop for the. <laughs> so Paul Paul tells so her. So Jamie he's... wants to know. Yeah, Jamie wants to know why did I lie to our closest friends? Well, because he's got a beautiful evening planned. Yeah, 
He says, why did I lie to our closest friends? Paul says, they want to take us to dinner. Jamie says, the bastards. Can't you hear that in your head? Absolutely. Perfectly done. Like, I've heard, I, that line has been in my head since I was a kid. <laughs> I'm sure that I've heard it done since. Just like that kind of setup and then punchline with calling people bastards like that. No, I mean like the way, the airy way nice. she does. I mean her vo- I mean her saying it. I'm not talking generally, her? Russ. I'm saying Jamie Buckman saying, saying the bastards. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just sounded like you were setting up a dramatic reading. You're just like, and now Jamie, Jamie Buckman, Buckman <laughs> saying the bastards. They want to take us to dinner. The bastards. <laughs> yeah. I'm reading out of the Academy Award nominees. <laughs> Jamie Buckman in The Bastards. Polite applause. Oh, no. Moonlight. Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So Paul wants to just basically stay and order pizza, which is so boring. Yeah. Jamie says, you must have been planning that all week. Yeah. Which is very funny. But also, if I may point uh, out, they talk toppings now, which... I thought it was unusual that they hadn't talked toppings a few cold opens ago. You did. Because that is unusual. They've, they've heard you. They heard me. They yeah. got your letters. The scene changed. The scene changed in real time on my DVD. Like Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if something crazy is going to happen in a couple of episodes similar to Back to the Future. Like uh, a main character just disappears. Yeah, or it goes into like a weird virtual reality thing or an alternate universe or uh, something. It might happen. That would be really who, who weird. Know? It might. <laughs> Are you being coy or not? I am being very coy. Okay, I didn't know if you remembered. <laughs> I, I did. Those who have seen the show remember, know there's a real weird one remember, coming up. I don't remember a lot about Mad About You, top to bottom, but I remember that enough to beat it into the ground. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, they do their own little total recall. <laughs> <laughs> so she wants pineapples, which is repulsive to Paul. Right. Thoughts on pineapple on pizza, John? I love pineapple on pizza. Just pineapple? Or if it were to be like a Hawaiian? No, you need a Hawaiian. I, I You need something salty with the uh, sweet. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. I. Yeah. That's not... Uh, yeah, Paul doesn't have that criticism. He's not like, oh, if we're going to get pineapple, then we need to also have ham on there. But, uh... No, he seems be, unilaterally so yes. against pineapple in general on a pizza. Yes. As many so people are. Jamie's, yeah, Jamie's pineapple pizza, thumbs down. But a Hawaiian, I'm on board for He's that. He's kind of boring. Of course he is. Yeah, like, I don't think I'd like being married to him. This is huge for you. This is shocking. You don't want to be married to a cool guy like Paul Buckman? No, I just want to be him. But also not him him, but a lot of him. I want to be the Paul Buckman that, that's playing drums, but then puts the sticks down and goes to dinner in Little Italy. And quite honestly, I think I am. I, oh man, you, you know what you might be? And I'll, I say this and I mean it. You've never been cooler than you are right now. To who? Decla- to just, just declaring yourself. Yeah. I'm basically the Paul Buckman of Little Italy. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> LA's really amped up your style. Oh, in LA, you got nowhere to go but up because you start at the bottom. <laughs> That's true. So Paul wants a half mushroom, half pepperoni order. And he and wins. That's what they order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they get. Uh, so we do the classic. We jump to later that night. Yep. Classic bad about you cut. Can't skip more than a few hours right. or minutes. <laughs> 
So they get there, they get the pizza, and it's pineapple after all. The wrong pie. Except yeah. it wasn't wrong. It was for 11C. They live in 11D. 11D. Which we learn. Yeah. So for you nuts, that's so, a complete uh... address. <laughs> now, if we were Bubba Scrub in the Dirty Sponge, we'd say, go sneak into the building. Take a photo in front of that apartment door. But we're not saying that. But we are not. We are not. We're not making it a sweepstakes, sweepstakes. Well, we really say sweepstakes, go, have, sweepstakes. go have sex in front of that door, right? Isn't <laughs> <laughs> that what they did? See if you could sneak into that building. Find yeah, 11D. We're, suddenly we're Opie and Anthony, absolutely. Oh, I thought it was Bubba, Bubba Scrubs in the Love Bubba, Sponge or something. Bubba the Love Sponge. It's one guy. Oh, is he on Opie and Anthony? No, there are competitors who do the same thing. Be filthy on the radio? And Opie and Anthony isn't a thing anymore. Uh, he's less on the radio. He's the dude Hulk Hogan had sex with his wife, on, ca- and it was uh, <gasps> uh, taped. He was the guy? Yeah, he's the guy. His, his, uh, his wife, yeah. The love sponge? You Wait, so you heard that Hulk Hogan had sex with somebody's wife, but you forgot that the name of the person whose wife it was was Bubba the Love Sponge? Russ, I'm not mired in the petty worries of the tabloid culture. I didn't know about this story guess, until it, it meant a gawker takedown. I guess you're right. You're more uh, fascinated with the uh, Apollo mission. I don't read Us Weekly. I read Usa Today. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So they bring, they swap pizzas with their neighbors. Well, uh, Paul does not want to go over there. He does not. Because neighbors are trouble. He is not wrong. Which is such a New York attitude. It's crazy that it is, but it totally is. I I don't think it's crazy. I think it makes a lot of sense. I live in a three-floor, there's three apartments in my house. Each level is a different apartment. And we've lived in the same apartment since 2004, and... Four or five months ago, our neighbors who lived below us on the second floor moved. And so they had been living here the longest. And so once they moved, it fell upon me to be the one to do the raking and the shoveling. So one day I was raking and I'm out there for a while. And I met the people who live on both sides of my apartment for the first time. Interesting. I've... I've lived here since 2004. Yeah. And I had to be like, hi, I'm Russ. Wait, why did it fall? What, what were you, their son? Why did it fall on you to do the raking? Uh, because the the people, somebody who, they live in Staten Island. So they live like an hour away across the bridge and stuff. And so the people who live, the people who moved had seniority. They, they'd been living in the apartment the longest. And so they did the raking and the shoveling. You get money or something? And... I'm sorry? You got money or something? Do I get money or something? Whoever does the raking in general? No, no. And in fact, our landlord was like, so the good news is, you know, they're moving. So if you wouldn't mind taking the garbage to the curb and doing the shoveling and the raking, that would be great. The good news is you could do a few hours of maintenance on the building a week? No, but then he's like, but also, we're not going to change your rent at all. Oh. So. I would say change it, pal. Well, look, our rent has been stabilized for the most part. It's it's gone up two hundred dollars in the past thirteen years. It's so we can't complain. It's basically stabilized. We've got a great place. They stay out of our hair. It's a good apartment. Oh, that being said, boy. the fact that our landlord was basically like, "So you're going to do more work for us, but to make up for it, because I'm a nice guy, 
I'm not going to charge you more rent. And you fell for That's it, That's weird. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure I did. I'm a sucker. Yeah, you're a sucker. <laughs> How about you? I mean, I had neighbors? wacko neighbors in the in the village. Oh, did you? Or not wacko. You know, they're all nice, normal, you know, but like we had a guy on the first floor who would just seemingly wander the halls of a very narrow, well, no, there were no halls, but wander the stairwell singing opera loudly all day. Oh, Jesus. And sometimes at night and, you know, intermittently. And he had a pretty voice uh, and he also seemed like he he had some troubles. There were a lot of troubled people in the building. Maybe I was one Poor of them. Guy. I don't know. Maybe. There was a woman who lived on like the seventh floor or sixth floor who did the garbage and she had like 11 puppies and she'd walk them all at the same time. <laughs> and when she was doing the garbage, they'd all be yipping and yapping down at the trash area by the mailboxes. My neighbor, Great. I think, might have been a male prostitute. I don't know. And also had a very weird looking apartment. Like I only got a glimpse and we never really talked. But like my building was a kind of building where if you hear someone in the hallway, you don't leave your house until that you they're gone. Right. Because you just don't want to engage. <laughs> Unless you have to. No, for sure. You know? And sometimes we'd have to. And it was, it's fine. But once the cops, I woke up to the cops talking to my neighbor at 3 a.m. Because the guy who was over at my neighbor's house called the cops on him. And that's when I was like, oh, I think he might be a gigolo. (laughs) Was it David Lee Roth? You don't get that joke. I don't. (laughs) Oh, once I woke up, it was St. Patty's Day or Cinco de Mayo or something. Oh, it's because there was like, there was a woman wailing in the hallway for like a while and i was like well i'm sure we were all sitting behind our doors awake at this point at like 3 a.m being like who's gonna deal with this not in pain just like a broad like "Ah." all right so i finally go out there and this woman is just splayed like laying down across the stairs like you know covering like half the stairs down one flight and she's like yeah, her purse. She, okay? she, she dropped her purse. I don't think she slipped because we we didn't know what her to slip. I think she just sat down and just got a little more tired. Over she was wasted, and she dropped all her stuff. And there were papers everywhere, and like receipts. And I'm tr- you know I'm trying to help. I'm like, do you a do you live here, lady? Yeah. B you're too drunk to like talk to me even. So I don't know what to do with you. C it's like I, oh yeah after talking to her for a while and trying to get any answers out I see that her pants are unbuttoned and then I snap Uh-oh. into Olivia Munson or Benson or whatever her name is you know SVU yeah and I and I get worried that something very bad happened but it didn't <laughs> she well good it's, it turns out I think I think because I don't know she was wasted I think she was visiting and or meeting and or popping in on her current or ex boyfriend who lived a few floors up. So I helped her up there, and then she dropped all her stuff again, and she kept getting mad at me for helping her. And I was like, the (laughs) only reason I'm helping you is because no one can sleep until they know you're, like, (laughs) relatively safe. And you don't care if anyone's safe. You just care that they're relatively safe. (laughs) Sure. Safe enough to keep it down. Yeah, like, I did the best I could. (laughs) Now you have to do the best you can. Yeah. Meet me halfway, lady. Yeah. So this is why well, I, you're, you're I and truly, Paul, neighbors are from hell. Neighbors are always from hell. You're truly an American hero. And out in L.A., all the neighbors are super friendly and sweet. And it's such a culture shock. Slightly different, huh? Yeah, like they hang out outside. We have a community grill and they talk and blah, 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 blah. And I try, but, you know, you don't engage sure. too much, you know? No, I, I understand. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm the dude who didn't meet anybody until uh, a few months ago. Yeah, so I know all about doing not free, engaging. Free labor. Free labor, exactly. So we finally meet these neighbors, and they are the best. They're a British couple. 
They're a British couple. They're the they opposite are, of Paul uh, and older. Jamie. They are hysterical. They are Hal and Maggie Conway. Yes. I forgot all about them, and I love them to pieces. Oh, they're such fun characters. Hal is played by Paxton Whitehead, who's 79 right now and still kicking around. He's still doing it? Yeah. That's, oh, makes well, me no, happy. actually, it seems like he might have retired in the last few years, understandably. Oh, yeah. He was in Back to School. I didn't know that. He was in a lot of fun movies. Yes. Robert Dangerfield. Gosh, he's great in Back to School. Oh, my boyfriend's back. Rocket Man. He was in a lot of very bad movies. <laughs> he was. Jumping Jack Flash. Look at that. Okay. He was on the West Wing. He was in Noel. That's the episode that, uh, what's his name, got the Emmy for, I think. Yeah, the Bradley Whitford episode. Oh, I'm getting that mixed up with the uh, other one, with Toby and the veteran with the coat. Ah, uh, no, different one. That one's also got a Christmassy name. I think you're right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, if you had to describe that situation in one word, it would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this guy was all over TV when we were kids. Friends, early edition, Frasier, Ellen, Carolina in the City. I mean, everything, you know. Oh, early edition. We're going to have to talk about that one I mean, one I day. never watched it because it sounded too stupid. Me neither. But we can talk about we're it on another episode. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, what's interesting is, it'll come up, but he did something called The First Night of Pygmalion. In England in 1975, and I get a very strong Pygmalion vibe from this episode at times. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Sure. So Hal Conway... I can see that. Yeah. So Hal calls his wife Maggie, Maggie Conway, and she comes yep. to the door, and now it's the Buckmans versus the Conways in the hallway. Oh, don't tell me. Let me guess. We have each other's pizza pies. <laughs> I think so. Uh, we're in 11D. I'm Jamie Buckman. This is my husband, Paul. Hi, how are you? Hal Conway, a pleasure. Maggie, it's our neighbors, the Buckmans, from 11D. <laughs> oh, hello. You're 11D, aren't you? I think your bedroom's right next door to our kitchen. We hear you through the wall sometimes. Oh, my God. That's her. <laughs> That's a honey of a sex joke. And she, I mean, the Buckmans look so genuinely humiliated. It's, oh, it's so satisfying. Yep. Like, so embarrassed. Real funny. We learned that Hal is teaching diplomacy at Columbia, and he's from Cambridge originally. Mm -hmm. Hal tells jokes that Jamie and Paul don't get. Do not. He, he goes on this thing. He has a very, as Brits do, right. a very dry sense of humor. He tells this joke yes. about the Peloponnesian Wars. <laughs> and Jamie takes it as gospel, as Americans do. And uh, nope, turns out that he was only joking. Are you from London? Uh, no, Cambridge, actually. Um, Hal's teaching at Columbia this year. Diplomacy. Well, that must be a tough subject to teach, huh? Especially in New York. <laughs> I wanted to exchange the pizzas, but Hal was afraid it might start some sort of ugly hallway incident. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. The Peloponnesian Wars were started by a misunderstanding over a crate of figs. Really? No, I'm joking. So they go back and forth a little bit. They have a dog. They swap pizza. They've got a dog. Sophie? Yep. Oh, and this is one of my favorite jokes in the episode. Which one is that? This is a very spoiled bad dog, Sophie. Oh, what is she? Sort of a scruffy little Scotty Mutt thing? No, she's a she's a Cairn Terrier show dog. <laughs> show dog? What does she do? Strip? <laughs> also fun because you get to see Paul, uh, like that's Paul Buckman telling a joke. Yes, that is true. It's inside the show. I like that a lot, yeah. yeah. 
So this sure. is clearly, they, yeah, they swap pizzas, but this is clearly like a bad first impression. Their right. senses of humor don't match at all. They're on completely different pages. It's socially awkward and stilted. Yeah, it does not go great. No. Needless to say. So then later that night, Paul's taking pillows off the bed. <laughs> yep. Which is a recurring. Much, must- like much like that famous, famous movie, Keeping the Faith. Yeah. <laughs> Again, everything's gospel and footnoted. Yep. Footnoted. You can believe all of this. Pillows must have been a real big thing in the 90s. Like bed pillows. Always and forever. I think because of the dot-com boom, maybe. Yes. Globalization. No, I'm serious, yeah, we though. Just out of, we were just out of uh, we were just out of Operation Desert Storm. Yeah. Huge success. But, I mean, we had more money, you know? We had a little bit more money Eric, to kick yeah. around and be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to buy 100 pillows for the bed. <laughs> it's not just utilitarian now. It's full-on bed decoration. It would be interesting to find out when Bed Bath and Beyond opened up. True, and I would I would love to see a, a little chart on uh, sham sales, shams and uh, sham bed screw, you know, superfluous bedding sales. Sham sales for my bed friends and <laughs> bed sales for my sham friends. That seems that like a reference saying. to something that I don't know. <laughs> it is so. <laughs> I don't care. Anyway, no. It sounds very satisfying, even not knowing it. I'm like, ah, it's fun. Loving it. So Jamie's brushing so her teeth. Paul, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jamie's brushing her teeth. Paul is going on about how his family was decent. My family talked about neighbors behind their backs. I just think it would be nice to have friends in the building. Honey, trust me on this. You only want to talk to neighbors if there's a problem. You know, if, if, if their stereo is too loud or something, or if they steal your newspaper, or if a body they have buried starts to stink up your closet, you know then. <laughs> Otherwise, just live and let live. When I was a kid, neighbors were like family. That's Connecticut. That's very different. What, your parents never talked to their neighbors? No, never to them. You know, only about them behind their back. <laughs> so Jamie is talking to Paul as Paul massages her back. Uh, Jamie's talking to Paul about her, about neighbors growing up. Neighbors in Connecticut versus neighbors in New York. And all of her neighbors loved her, she says. Yeah, I mean, it's such a fun... It's the whole series. The contrast between Connecticut suburban life and Queens, a Queens childhood is always fun. And this is so consistent with right. that. Yeah. It's the neighbor fantasy just... that I've only heard about on things like TV shows. And I've... Well, I guess when I was a kid in Ohio, we were friends with our neighbors, actually. Yeah. And you know what? You become friends with your neighbors, I think, partly because your kids become friends with the neighbor's kids. That's very true Naturally. As well. mm-hmm. We... Society mm-hmm. is making so much sense to me right now. <laughs> this is a big episode for yeah, you. between pillows and neighbors, I think it all... I can see it all. <laughs> I got a bird's eye view. Oh, man. So all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. They love, they do another one of those timing jokes that I love. They love doing these on the show. All I'm saying is I think it would be healthy for us to have new people in our lives. (laughs) It's after midnight. It's probably Fran and Mark. They want to take us to breakfast. (laughs) Don't just open the door. It could be a burglar. Honey, burglars don't ring the bell. In Connecticut, they do. So they open it, and it's Hal, and he's in his robe, and he's sick. He's sick. Like, very sick. He's got food poisoning. Yes. He is sick from the pizza. And I don't like his attitude. I don't like his attitude. Hey, John, why is he there? Great. Yeah, like, just to rub it in their face that the pizza that they didn't make made him sick. Yeah. 
It's the weirdest thing. They didn't make the pizza. They didn't even order the pizza. All they did was bring the pizza back to them. Also, what about pineapple can make somebody sick? I mean, maybe two different guys made the two different pizzas, you know? So you're saying it's like maybe it's the cheese is off? Yeah, or maybe one of them didn't wash their hands or something fell in the pizza. You know, it could be anything. I guess I'll give that to you. Fine. So regardless... Uh, Hal's being a real jerk. Hal is a jerk, I think. No, he is. But, like, they don't play it off. He's not being an aggressive jerk. Like, it's a gray area, I guess. But he's leaning on the jerky side. Maybe he's not being a jerk, but he certainly doesn't need to be there. No. They're being so nice that they're trying to help. They could also just say, oh, that sounds terrible. I hope you feel better. Why don't you go back across the hall to your home? Oh, but you know what? I forgot now. Isn't he there because he needs medicine? And maybe they didn't have it at home. I th- maybe, <laughs> but like maybe. I think I forgot that. I think like he's there. <laughs> he says something <laughs> about. Poor guy. I know Jamie goes. Jamie goes to the kitchen to get. Oh no! She, no, he wants a doctor. It's not medicine. It's a doctor. Oh, he needs a referral. And it's like, That's right. He needs a referral for a doctor. But it's like, hey guy, find a doctor. Right. Call. Well, I don't know. Who? How do you find a doctor in the middle of the night in 1992? You look in the yellow the yellow pages. pages. Yes, of course. If I was a doctor that was open across... 24 hours, I would definitely have an ad. Yeah. You don't go across the hall to the people who you don't like who poisoned you. Right. Well, I mean, that sounds a little crazy. Maybe you do. I don't know. You know what, though? If you do, you should expect to catch a door in the face. Well, yeah, and you should be polite. But yeah, so he asks yeah. for water. Paul very politely offers to go get him some. He insists right. on getting it himself. And as he's walking yep. towards the kitchen, Jamie comes flying out. It knocks Hal right in the face, and he falls flat on the floor. Yep. Unconscious. It's a beautiful <laughs> she slapstick. She has a great joke. She has a great, great joke uh, where she says, drag him into the hallway. He won't remember a thing. Yeah, right. And that button and takes us. And that's how we get to commercial. And then we come back, and we're in the hallway now. Jamie is in the hallway with flowers. Right. She's trying to make up for last night, even though she doesn't need to. She doesn't need to. She didn't do anything wrong, Hal but she feels bad because she busted him up. the only person who's done anything wrong so far. Yep. And or it's just bad circumstances, yep. okay? It's very frustrating. So Jamie's giving Maggie flowers, and Maggie is allergic. So sorry about last night. Is Hal all right? No. <laughs> oh, um, how are you feeling? Uh, still a bit wonky. Well, here, I hope these help with your wonkiness. <laughs> how sweet. <laughs> They're just lovely. <laughs> Do you have a cold, too? Uh, no, actually, I, I'm just a bit allergic to... All flowers. I'm so sorry. Oh, not at all. I'll take them back. I, nonsense. I'll get you something else. I wouldn't hear it. I insist. You must. No, really, I must. Please, please, you're spreading the pollen. Um, if you would just excuse me, uh, I must tend to Hal. He's he's still seeing double. So they're fighting back and forth, and then basically, you know, Jamie finally lets go, and the flowers go flying in Maggie's face. Clocker in the face. Yeah. So then we Hysterical. go later to the kitchen. Jamie and Lee, we got a little Lisa. Yeah, Lisa's there to try to help. Or just to have, probably just to do her laundry and also talk. But yeah, Jamie says they're going to like me if I have to kill them. <laughs> and she's uh, unpacking a bunt cake from Zavars, which she's yes. transferring into a bunt cake pan. Really, really funny. Which is such a, I mean, that's exactly what I, who's making a cake? Yeah. It's sweet because she man. still has the gesture of someone who's from the Northeast. Right. But the approach from someone who's lived in New York for a while. Yeah. 
Especially, and it's also funny because if you were to bring somebody something from Zabar's and be like, hey, here's something from Zabar's, they'd just be like, oh, Zabar's, great. This is better than anything ever. Whereas if you make it look like you made it yourself, they may be like, ah, why didn't you go to Zabar's? That's true. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you liked me. Very true. <laughs> we learn, uh, oh, Paul comes in. He's got a laundry basket and he's getting laundry directions. Okay, uh, I'm going to go down. Tell me again. I take, take it out of the washer. And put it in the dryer. Put it in the dryer. And, and how many of the little sheets that smell like lemon? You can put in one, but no more. They really do add a freshness. <laughs> That is such a thing, though. I get so insecure when I'm about to do, like, a household thing for someone. Yeah. Like, just to be clear, there's no weird thing you do that I don't know about, right? You know? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, how should I? Yeah. How, what do I? Yeah. When I cut these I tomatoes, you. you want me to just cut them, like, in slices? Right. Now. <laughs> when you say wash the grapes, you mean, <laughs> should I just wash it, run, run them under water, right? Yeah. This watermelon. Now you want me to keep the red part. <laughs> um so Jamie Jamie it come it comes out, Jamie expresses that she needs to be liked. Yes. That's why she's trying Jamie... That's why she's trying to please them so hard. Yes. And Jamie and Lisa go back and forth on this a lot. I'm always liked. My high school yearbook had over a hundred inscriptions. You set up a table in the cafeteria. <laughs> I have never had a neighbor not like me. Not true. Name one. Lucy Warren. Billy Slater. The Rupert. Billy Slater loved me. You showed him your boobs. <laughs> You're a big stupid liar. <laughs> oh, what a con job. <laughs> or not a con job, but what a misrepresentation. Uh, I think she blocked it. Oh, I can see that. I think she... I think she blocked that part of her memory. Sure. I think she believes he really liked me. Yeah, I mean, I forget how people meet all, how I meet people all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you show everybody your boobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everybody likes you, so it works. So we go down to the laundry room. Yes. And Paul, it's Paul and Murray. And here's, where, and here's where things get weird. Really weird. And this is the reason I, I'm on the fence about this episode. Here's where Paul starts to lose the moral high ground. Yeah. So Paul's down there doing his usual thing where he's talking to Murray, like Murray's a person, which I can't get enough of. And right. people have left their laundry in the dryer too long, which I yeah. hate. Yes. And it's a classic uh, dilemma. A crime he, against humanity. He wants Murray to tell him if he should leave the clothes, like put the clothes, uh, very fold them nicely and put them in a basket or just throw them on the table or on the floor maybe even. Right. Which always just put them in a pile. Don't touch people's clothes. Yeah, just leave leave them alone. Oh, the guy who I'll doesn't even want to talk to his do. neighbors is going to fold their clothes? <laughs> what are you, nuts? There are easy ways out of this, Paul. Use your head. Well, I always I feel weird even touching the clothes. I feel, you know, I sometimes yeah, I'll just wait. I'll leave, I'll come back in 20 minutes and see if someone got it yet. Oh, I'll I'll do that or I'll get the uh, I'll get the the owner of the laundromat. And just be like, excuse me. Oh, that's right because you probably don't have a laundromat. You've got your own Oh but, yes, uh, our building has machines. Yeah, I'll use a laundromat, and I'll just be if I, if I really need a dryer and can't wait any longer, I'll just be like, "Hi, yes, uh, third party, please uh, do something yeah, about no, this." Yeah, no, fair. You need an intermediary, an object, uh, an objective yeah. intermediary. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so he pulls the clothes out, and he starts folding them, and he right. finds a pair of women's underpants, puts them on right. his head. Starts talking to Murray and says, look, I'm a French maid because they're floppy. And he starts acting like right. a French maid. And Hal walks in and yep. says they're his wife's and takes them away. Yep. 
And that's that scene. (laughs) The end. So later in the living room, (laughs) Jamie's headed next door with the bunt cake. Paul comes in to confess (laughs) that maybe she shouldn't go over there just yet, or at least she should know what's happened before she does. So let's talk a little bit for a second about you, John. Okay. What's going on with you right now in this episode? Because... The top of this episode, Paul Reiser was James Dean. He was drumming up a storm as cool as it gets. That's true. And now, 16 minutes or so later, he is wearing a woman, a stranger's underwear uh, on his head to entertain a dog and violating trust. Yeah. And yeah, that's your that's your hero. How cool is he now? He's human. How cool is he now? He's human. He's human. His flaws are what make him appealing to you. When, uh, his flaws his his flaws don't make him unacceptable to me. <laughs> They're certainly not what make him appealing. Not this one, at least. Sure, because it doesn't make any sense. It's really weird. It's a crazy it's really... thing to do. It's really weird. Like a crazy thing. This, and this that's is... what was hard for me for the rest of the episode, because I was like, but why would anyone ever do that? I would. I was going to say this is on the love bug side of the yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Of just incongruous. Why would he do that kind of things? Uh, except this is so far. This, this blows love bug oh, out yeah. of the water. Well, yeah. So to the point where the scale is now the pennies on the head scale. Mm-hmm. Jamie, what I love is the dis- the oh, because he has to tell Jamie in front of Lisa too. Yes, <laughs> they look so disgusted when he's telling the story that it's so satisfying to watch. It's really great, and I love that he has to just also, confess immediately. He has to confess immediately, and he also kind of blames her. Oh yeah, which is great. Yeah, that's such a man thing to do. I'm I'm putting the clothes in the dryer, like you said, and and. <laughs> And how he walks in exactly, I mean exactly at the, at, the, at the exact second that his wife's panties were accidentally on my head. <laughs> so, oh, Jamie is like, I solve things like this all the time. I'm in HR. Yep. Just kidding. Yep. <laughs> it's a perception problem. So she confidently walks yes. out the door. Right. And then later, we got Paul on the phone talking with his mother. About what he yep. did, which to me also is crazy. I'm like, why? Who? who yeah, I. Who, why would you t- tell anyone else about this? Uh, anyone for until you died? Why? <laughs> Especially your, your mother, your, your parents. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I said the same thing to Jen. She was just like, they're close, and she also said, if you did something that stupid and then talked to your mom, it would be the first words out of your mouth. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, she may not be wrong. I, I do get that. I, I mean, that is funny that, like, it's it's showing how much of a mama's boy he is. Yes. <laughs> While he's on the phone, though, Murray sprints in with an angry Jamie right behind him, holding an empty cake tin. Yes. So we know this situation has only gotten worse. Right. Murray jumps into Paul's lap. And Jamie says... Murray made friends with their dog. Sophie? Sophie. That was nice. No, he made friends. <laughs> Good friends. Intimate friends. 
Get out of here. On their couch. She did not. Right on our new friend's new couch. Well, how do you know Sophie didn't come on to Murray? You know, because... Their dog is a show dog. You dog, you. Don't encourage him. Those puppies are going to be half champion Karen Terrier and half... What the hell is he? He happens to be a very rare Flappish Pound Collie Shepherd dog. <laughs> Paul is so proud. Yeah. You Gross, dog, you. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Murray and the Please showgirl. Keep the patriarchy I mean, out of your dog, oh, if you I don't guess mind, true. Paul. Oh, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, he's perpetuating a rape culture amongst Murray the dog, and I'm not okay with it. And it, this is me being. It sounds. It sounds like I'm being kind of jokey about much. it, and maybe I'm being. I'm maybe being kind of jokey sure. about it. That's not my intent. No, it's an interesting don't point. Don't be gross. Don't be gross, Paul. Come on. Yeah, he's losing a lot of he's losing a lot right now to us. A lot of cool points. It's a roller coaster. Uh, we also learned Consent that Consent uh, is cool, Paul. <laughs> we learn uh, his breed, Murray's breed, right? Which is a Flatbush Pound he's... Collie Ger- Collie Shepherd. <laughs> That's real funny. It's adorable, and I don't even like dogs. <laughs> oh man, Jamie so, just uh... won't let go though. She really wants them to like her. No, yeah, she can't. She cannot deal with people not liking it's, her. It's nice to see, like, this is... Like, she doesn't have a lot of neuroses as much as right. him, but when she has one, it's always, like, huge. It, it is, and it's also fun to see because Paul will just sit and stew and be like, well, this is how I am. I, you know, when things get him... When things bother him, he shuts down and, and blocks out the world. Right. When things bother Jamie, she needs to conquer them. Yes. She... She, she like needs to strategize. You're right, and go alpha and break it all down. And that's frankly, that's why they work as a couple. What an astute but, analysis, Russ. Yeah, I'm John. I'm really astute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's true. It's why that all works. It's uh, it's why Paul shuts down and shies away from uh, getting subway tokens, and Jamie pushes him to do it. Uh, that being said, Jamie's totally wrong in that instance. But regardless, that's the way these dynamics work. You're right. So we go to later, and yep. we're in the hallway, probably back for commercial, yep. it felt like. And uh, we got the, what, what, what's her last name again of these two jerks? It is Hal and Maggie Conway. Conways. The Conways are in the hallway, dressed up with a bottle of wine. And it's sort of, it is sort of fun to see them alone for a second without the Buckmans yeah. there. To just be like another... It's dinner we, party time. We don't see couples alone. Well, we see Mark and Fran, I guess. But yeah, it's that moment right. before you walk into a dinner party. You look positively radiant. You don't want to be late. Certainly not. I still don't know why they invited us for drinks. So they can kill us and get it over with. You won't eat anything, will you? Well, only if they eat it first. I'm afraid... Let's run away. <laughs> we don't want to agitate them. Look what they do when they're trying to be nice. So they go in, and guess who's there? Mark and Fran. Why? Why would they be there? Why would you invite Mark and Fran when you're trying to make a good impression? I don't know. Though, I don't know. Fran is very close to Jamie, and I'm sure Jamie doesn't think of them the way we do. That's true. So that's but why. like early. Earlier, I guess so. Earlier in the episode, though, I, Paul says, I love Mark and Fran. And I'm just kind of like, you do? 
When did he it's see news to me? When did he say that? When Jamie's like, uh, "Why did I turn away our best friends in the world?" And he's like, "I love Mark and Fran. I just wanted a little time with just uh, the two he's of doing us." A cat. Whatever. I, but like, I didn't be, like. So, I mean, I didn't believe that he was just kind of like passive, like just saying it. I thought that he meant like, "Look, I love them." Oh gosh, but... Russ, you really <laughs> you're dying for him to really like them. <laughs> I, no, I'm not. I'm saying that based on the way that it was delivered, that's what I got. It didn't hit me the way it hit you, but I hear you. Well. I think we already acknowledged and determined that I'm astute. So, <laughs> uh, Jamie comes out with a beautiful cheese plate, five different cheeses. Yes. And nobody, nobody, it's this awkward nightmare where it's like you got Market Fran, it's like a thrust theater and the cheeses in the, on the stage. Right. <laughs> you got Market Fran on one side, you got Hal and Maggie across from them, and then you got Paul and yep. Jamie at the head. Yep. Mediating almost, and, you know, uh, like. Yeah. Hal and Maggie are too afraid to eat the cheeses because they think they're going to poison them. Even though Jamie and Paul didn't make the pizza. It makes me crazy. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Mark starts talking about traffic because no one's talking, which, of course, that's his go-to subject. Boy, did we hit traffic coming down here. From our place, down 2nd Avenue to here, take a guess how long. 45 minutes. Do you believe it? Zagalopopolis. Excuse me? Zaga Lapop, the, the cabbie's name, yeah. Zaga Lapopolis. It's Greek. Came over in 88 to work for Dukakis. Ah, well, the Greeks haven't picked a winner since Alexander the Great. <laughs> I, I love cab driver name jokes. I don't think they're xenophobic. I think they celebrate diversity. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in favor. Indeed. Oh, that old you, Seinfeld line? You see the... uh, let's see. His name was, uh, what? Uh, a zero and the symbol for boron. Yeah, I remember even being a kid and uh, not giving him uh, the benefit of the doubt on that joke. Same, because I was like, I you mean like, B-O uh, or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, the yeah. symbol for boron is the letter B. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So his name was, oh, well, he goes no with a line through it and then the symbol for boron. But no, I'm with you. It always bugged me. But not boron yeah, is such like... a great name that you, it's still funny to me. Oh, and the idea of this symbol for Bora, it's a great punchline, but it's just like, it doesn't stand up to the tiniest bit of scrutiny. Many jokes don't. That's true. But it's fun to scrutinize them. It's fun to suck the fun out of the room, isn't it? Indeed. So then the conversation is totally silent, and it's such a nightmare, and Mark Devenow comes in with one hell of a... (laughs) Hell of a left field comment. You know who I always found attractive is is Omar Sharif. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Who is attractive in his own way, but not conventionally. No, probably not the kind of, uh, not real good, fun dinner party conversation. Oh, definitely not. That's the kind of joke that, where it's just like, uh, when I would think, oh, well, you know, I used to be surprised when I learned that Paul and Jamie were in their mid to late 20s in this show. So were all of them. And it's because of jokes like that. Because that's the kind of joke that a person in his, or that's the kind of uh, thought that a person in their mid 40s to early 50s would say. Omar Sharif is attractive. Like, great. Okay, you old person. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. So then when it's like, yeah, then when it's like, oh, you're just, you're middle aged? Well, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> or early middle aged. <laughs> right. So we go to later in the kitchen, and like Jamie still loves these people, and she's so impressed. Oh, and this is where the Pygmalion thing, because 
like throughout the episode she keeps talking about how like cultured he is and she leans on every word right. that house says and it's like you, yep. you see the world where she just wants to like study at his feet for a while and like bring them up a notch class-wise as a couple right it's very much She's like desperate to desperate to impress desperate to earn to earn their yeah at, at some point it's not just that she wants these people to like her it's a conquer it's it's about winning yes she needs to win i won i won i won yeah oh well done russ yeah incisive uh so they're in the kitchen and paul is not impressed of course no because the things that they're doing don't register on his little queen's impressed scale right and she's just fawning over him yeah over them i like these people they're charming and cultivated you know charm is way overrated don't you love the way they talk? It's so classy. It's like a Noel Coward play. Why can't we talk like that? Darling, do shut up. <laughs> Would you please make an effort? Oh, so we can have more scintillated evenings like tonight? <laughs> oh, and they hear laughter in the other room, so Paul starts making fun of what they're probably talking about out there. Right. And Jamie gets upset because she's like, oh, don't make fun of Mark and Fred. They would never do that about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. And then they immediately cut to Fran saying, you're right. Paul can be peculiar. Yeah, <laughs> peculiar. What a, she, yeah. It's such a, it's one of those words that's like you use it and you act like it's benign, but it's so loaded. For sure. Oh, she's trying to get away with something. Yeah, there's no, there's no nice way to actually call a person peculiar. Right. No, they're a weirdo. Yeah. Though in 2017, that's a <laughs> word that sometimes, you know, nerd got mainstream, baby. I, I guess you're right. Nerd, nerd is a new cool. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Hardwick hosting Talking Peculiar. <laughs> so Paul and Jamie enter with pigs in the blankets, which Paul calls right. little hot dog things. Little little right? hot dog thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He, that's how uncultured he is. He doesn't yeah. even know. He can't even he can't even pull pigs in a blanket. Ah, well, you know, when you grow up in Queens in the fifties, you know, it's just knock worst and Yeah. And a little mustard. Paul Buckman's a real Stanley Kowalski. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Which also is a horrible snack. We like, we know no one's going to eat these. Sure. They're not eating the fancy sure. cheeses. They're not going to eat a hot dog in a, in a poorly made pastry. Puff pastry. <laughs> so Mark and Fran, it turns out, are going to the opera? The opera. Mark and Fran, of course. You know why? What I love about it is they have, they're the most annoying couple on the show. You know, that's how yeah. they're portrayed. But they also have the most interesting life. That's true. That is... John, you're taking a real page out of the Russ Fader handbook. <laughs> oh, yeah. You own good observations. Now you are being very astute. I mean, I thank you very much. <laughs> but, you know, because they're the, they're the couple with the kid. They live uptown, yeah. but they're always yeah. out and about. They're doing stuff. They're in it. Yeah. They're and mixing it up. They're going to see Wagner opera. Yeah. Die Valkyrie. Valkyrie. What's your favorite and Wagner opera? Paul calls... Uh, probably do Valkyrie. Yeah, me too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that couldn't have gone better if we wrote it. Uh, so Paul says uh, it's a lighthearted romp through the fatherland. Yeah, which is real funny. Love a good anti-Wagner joke from yeah. an American yeah. Jew. Yeah, Paul is uh, He's taking a page right out of yeah, Alvie Singer's book for sure. Yeah, things are things are now uh, they're tipping over into the not even trying so hard realm, where it's just now like, 
oh, we don't like this thing. We're going to tease about how we don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Go, you know? Paul's taking the gloves off. You know? Yeah. Up until here, it's just been kind of like a comedy of errors where it's just, oh, we can't quite line up. And I'm trying to impress, mm-hmm. but I can't quite. Now it's just like, oh, I'm going to pick on this about you because I do not like it. Right. And obviously, so like Mark and Frere go to the opera, and obviously the, the uh, Hal and Maggie are super into the opera and so interested now in Mark and Fran. Of course. And then Mark and Fran invite them to go with them tonight, yep. and that gets yep. really uncomfortable. They invited us to come with them, but we hate the opera. How can anyone hate opera? Well, we don't hate it, hate it. I hate it. Paul feels like he's being scolded. Call me peculiar. We already did. You were in the kitchen. <laughs> We've never been to the Met. I'd adore to go. Oh, it's opera as it should be. Long, loud, and boring. <laughs> We have two extra seats. You, you guys want to go? Oh, we We'd couldn't. We'd love to. Oh, perhaps some other time. Oh, Paul and Jamie don't mind. No, we do mind. You mind? We mind. I don't mind. I mind. Never mind. <laughs> We're all having such a good time. Everything's been just lovely. Perhaps we should stay. And it's like, Jamie, what are you doing? Oh, she's trying. She's still trying to win. I mean, but also, is it weird that I didn't even think it was weird that they'd be like, yeah, let's go. I mean, I guess it is rude, but it is very rude. But I mean, clearly this isn't working. And also, you know, they're opera tickets. That's yeah. special. Just go. Yeah, it, it's yes. I get it though. Just but also, it's like Jamie and Paul didn't. Your pride, Jamie. It'd be one thing if dinner was coming out, but this is like a casual. Like this is a shitty get. Uh, oh wow, I cursed. Yeah, we'll have to bleep that. I'll have to bleep or it. Not. But uh, this is like a crummy little get together. Yeah. The snacks. It's like, you Real know. Crummy. But, it, <laughs> yeah, it's a... but it's not like she made a huge five-course meal or something. Right. No, it's it's at her home. Right. Let him go. It's just, yeah. And and it's so not a big deal that uh, in a little bit, we're going to find out that there's another one coming. Another what? Another uh, dinner party. Oh, Cause, right. Because what happens. Right. Cause, yeah, because Jamie, Jamie says, don't go. Everybody sits in unbearably uncomfortable silence until Jamie then says, maybe you should go. It's fine. And And then immediately all four of them, all four of the guests get up. Including, I mean, I was so relieved when she said that too. Yes. But you're right. On their way out, she invites them to. Yeah. Yeah. She says, she says this weekend we're going to have another dinner party. And it's like, what? And yeah, before they do that, I want to, before we get to that really quickly, I just want to say something that really funny that Mark said, because Jamie says, maybe after the opera, you'll come back here. And Mark just says, I don't care. Ask Fran. <laughs> You're right. That didn't stand out to me, but that is perfect, Mark. Which is so funny. Just, I don't care. <laughs> That's so funny. That's also very me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally. There's just certain Whatever. things. Whatever. We'll just, I'll, I'm... I'm along for the ride. Right. I'm, I'm, right. I'm out the door. It doesn't mean you don't care. Yeah. It means you don't have an, you know, you're down. It's yeah. really, it's a great thing masquerading yes. as a negative thing. Yes. I'm up for either. Yes. It, yes. Yes. So, yeah. So then Jamie invites the Brits to a dinner party that weekend. Another one. I'm sorry you have to run off, but we're having an actual dinner party next weekend. I hope you'll come. Ah. Uh, sorry. We can't. Now, isn't this awkward? Please, don't take this the wrong way. What? We don't like you. (laughs) But thank you. 
for a lovely evening. Oh, I'm sure all five cheeses were delicious. <laughs> Someone had to do it. Ugh. Devastating and hilarious. To be that frank and that plain with your language yeah. about not liking somebody. I wonder what that that's feels a, like. That's a tough one to hear. She pushed polite English to people say. to the point of being direct. Yeah. Yes. That's how severe this is. So then we, and then she, they thank her. They say, thank you for our new friends. Mark and Fran are delightful. Yeah. And I'm like, well, look, that's very funny that you love them. Uh, that feels like a stretch for comedy's sake. I don't see how those people would like those people. But okay, fine. I'll allow it. Right. Because it is very funny. Of course. And also, I do a little. I mean, they're going to, they have similar interests. Yeah, that's true. You know what? That's very true. Russ, there's no accounting for human chemistry. You're right. And then... The last thing that happens before we cut to commercial mm -hmm. is maybe my favorite button for the history of the show. I can't believe it. They really don't like me. Go show them your boobs. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good button. Which I think is so great. It is. And not, and not just because it has boobs in it. Oh. Oh, well, then I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, then I don't know why you like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then... I don't wait. Well, I don't. I don't even know what they said actually. Um. So then the tag. And then we get. Yeah. We get a weird. We get a weird end of episode title card with Paul Reiser saying, "Stay tuned. We need friends." Yeah. Was that was so bizarre? Yeah. But also fun. That's never happened before. It was fun for sure. It's it was fun just, to have I, Paul I, Buckman I talk remember. to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. And then we come back and during the credits. Jamie is against the bedroom wall oh, that, in theory, uh, shares the wall with the kitchen of the uh, right. of Maggie and Hal, and she's right. having a fake conversation with Paul about all of their plans. Yeah, how popular they are, yeah. and how many friends they have. Oh, it's and yeah, she's really hurt. She says, "Why don't they like us?" And Paul lists all of the reasons <laughs> that. They wouldn't like her. Honey, tell them we can't make the regatta. We already have plans for Flag Day. Sweetie, love of my life, give it up. Let it go. They don't like us. But why? I don't know. Maybe because we almost killed them, we fondled their underwear, and we violated their livestock. How can somebody not like me? Hey. You were asking the wrong guy. I mean, you gotta get one of those in there. Real sweet. Real, real sweet. Real full house moment. Yeah. Because it's it. adults, it's sweet. Yeah, that's tr that's true. If it was a kid, we'd be like, ugh. Oh, boy. But, so, yeah, so Jamie wants Paul to torment the Brits a little bit. Oh, and I love and... the contrast, because she's making up things like Flag Day, the regatta. Right. And the contrast between her thing and his thing when he tries to have a fake conversation with her. Is so night and day and great. Like, of we course, can, honey, we have Best Steel Day with Jerry Lewis. Right, of course, he goes straight for Jerry Lewis. Oh, really, really funny. I like this episode a lot. I did too, even though it was based on half of a very weird premise. Sure, it's a great episode though. Liked it a lot. Yeah, I really, really like this one. And hey, uh, heads up, episodes are now on FX. Yeah, check them out. Uh, the early seasons. So. Set your DVRs, uh, see what you can see on online, what's streaming. You're pro they're probably 
a few episodes ahead of us by now. Uh, maybe a few, maybe, I don't know, five or ten episodes. I'm not sure how it plays out. But Watch them while check you it can. Out. The see show's what, so good, you won't even forget them. Yeah, it's a great point. <laughs> and please do, yeah. John, I think that's going to do it for us. Oh, yeah. I think it better. Rise, guys, rise, gals. Thank you so much for listening. You got anything we to plug? We are having a blast. I've got the sequel, the first Friday of every month at the Magnet Theater, except for April, so don't come in April. But you'll hear this after the first Friday in April, so never mind. Huh. First Friday in every month, 11 o'clock. That's and fun. That sounds great. It's really fun. We, we improvise musicals. We improvise a sequel to your favorite musical. It's really, really a hoot. Beautiful. How about you? What's doing? Nothing. Great. <laughs> I'm at Johnny Marbles, no H. I'm at Russ Fader. Please rate we and review have... us. Oh, what were we going to say? Please do rate and review us. We love... No, no. Rate and review us. Also, it's uh, quite honestly, it's very nice and sweet reading them. So it makes us feel good. It makes us feel great. Great. I would say I agree. And it helps uh, yeah. iTunes. iTunes, I don't know. It's more prominent or something. I don't know. It helps. Yeah, it helps. It helps boost boost in, uh, uh, our ratings, and yeah. it helps boost notoriety for the show. We really appreciate and it. So that more people can hear us. Our theme song is by John D. Ivy. Our logo is by Nathan Diffie. They are two wonderful gentlemen. We thank them so much. I am Russ Bader. And I'm John Marlowe. And this is what we're saying. saying.